0: Well, there are all sorts of people out there in the world. Think about it. Single, married, healthy, sick, unemployed, workaholics, white collar, blue collar, renting, overmortgaged, homeless, comfortable. All sorts of people with all sorts of problems, all sorts of outlooks and attitudes to life, But they have one thing in common. According to Jesus, they're all soil. And the seed of the good news about Jesus is for them. Soil. Is that what you see when you look at people on the train? Or window shopping in the city? Or mowing their lawns? Or walking their dogs? Do you see soil? Or do you see busy people, preoccupied people, worldly, content, materialistic people, people who aren't interested in Jesus. But Jesus doesn't see people like that. He sees them as soil, waiting for seed, freshly tilled, full of potential and promise, ready to reap a harvest. Now that includes you, you are soil too. So make sure you are ready for seed. Like Jesus says in verse 8, if you have ears to hear, make sure you listen. He's going to tell you a story. And look at who's listening here as Jesus tells the story. Verses 1 to 3 of Luke chapter 8, Jesus' close followers are there. Those who've given up everything. Everything. There's not just the twelve, but there are women as well. And they're following him everywhere. And they're even paying for the privilege out of their own pockets. But look who else is there other than his close followers. Verse 4, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. There are all sorts of people from different situations with different problems. They are different types of soils. But each one is waiting for seed. And there will be different responses to that seed. Now that's the point of the story Jesus tells beginning in verse 5 about a farmer sowing seeds in different soils. But the weird thing is, he's actually doing what he describes in the story. As he talks to the people about soils and sowing seed, He is the farmer who is scattering the seed of his message onto different types of soil. And each soil will receive the seed differently. So verse 5, some seed fell on the path. It was so hard the seed sat on the top. People crushed it as they walked over it. Birds came and picked it up. Verse 6, some landed on rocky ground. There was some soil but not much. And when the seed Germinated the roots, the the roots couldn't grow down very far, and the plant shriveled up. Uh, Verse 7: more fell on soil that looked okay, but there were weeds there. And when the plants started to grow well, the weeds grew too. And the plants were choked by the competition. And finally, verse 8: good soil, where the seed grew and produced a great crop a hundred times as much as was sown and Jesus finishes the end of verse 8 if your ears are on make sure you hear now my guess is there would have been one of those long silences as Jesus let the words sink in and people tried to work out what he was saying yes I heard it but what does it mean You see, that's what the whole parable is about. Uh, Hearing, you see, everyone hears, but not everyone understands. The seed is sown on everyone. On all the types of soil, the seed lands. Uh, So everyone hears, but not everyone understands. You see, understanding means that you need to attach meaning to those words. Uh, It will change you in some way. The words will actually take root and grow in you. And you see, to understand the words, it it takes work. Questions, investigation, thinking. And there are some who are prepared to do that. Out of all of those people who heard, all of the crowds, there are only some who come and ask, what does it mean? So verse 9, his disciples That is, his followers. Those who are motivated enough to push beneath the surface. Those who want to move from just hearing to understanding. And how does Jesus answer them? Verse 10. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. So there are two sorts of people, some who hear and understand, and the rest who just hear. Now what makes the difference? Is it anything to do with the cleverness of the person? No. What does Jesus say? The knowledge has been given to you. You see, it's God who opens eyes. It's God who switches the lights on. It's God who enables people to go beyond just hearing the words so that they hear and understand. The ones who God gives understanding to, they're the ones who search for the truth, who ask questions, who are hungry for answers. You see, God gives them a hunger they want to satisfy. And as they search, as they move from simply hearing to understanding, God satisfies their hunger. He gives them the secrets. While there are others who aren't interested. They they simply hear. And that's where it ends. Two sorts of people who look the same from the outside. Now that means we can't tell what sort of soil someone is just by looking at them, by what sort of clothes they wear, or their qualifications, or what suburb they live in, or what their salary is. What this means is, at a human level, we can't identify a target audience. We, we can't be marketers who come up and say, well, we've decided we're only going to target our market at the good soil. <laughs> That'd be pretty easy, wouldn't it, if you could do that? You see, the good news, it could be any, the good soil could be anyone. The, the, the good soil could be anyone. Now, that's great news. Because it means that God can open anyone's eyes. No one is too hard for him. No one is too evil or too rich or poor or too desperate or too complacent. No one is too old or too young or too dumb or too incapacitated or too handicapped. Those are all irrelevant categories because it's God who gives knowledge of the secrets of his kingdom. God opens eyes. But perhaps you might say, well, that's not fair, Dave. How can God have a message but then only pick some people who will understand it? You might say, it's unjust to have a secret but only share it with some people. What about the others? It's a big question. I'm not going to give you a full answer to it, but Jesus goes on to say that the gospel the gospel's not like that at all, it, it, it's not a secret that you keep. That word for secret, it, it's not a great translation really, there's not perhaps a better one, but I, I wonder whether a better word might be something like surprise. This is not a message that's meant to be hidden like the way we understand secret, it's actually a surprise that's designed to be announced to everyone. It's like a lamp. A lamp is designed to be seen. Down in verse 16, after he explains the parable, he says this, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come can see the light. For there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known and brought out into the open. The kingdom of God is a secret or perhaps a surprise meant to be revealed. It's meant to have people who seek out the answer. It's meant to have people solving the problem about the kingdom of God. Don't worry too much about God's intention in all of this. Jesus goes on to say, what really matters is not that question of, who God has chosen or not chosen, what matters is your responsibility. Jesus says, what have you done with the message that you've heard? That's the question. What have you done with the light that you have seen? Down in verse 18, he says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. In other words, don't look for excuses. Don't say, oh, it's too difficult. The secret's too hard. God hasn't opened my eyes. I'm not smart enough. Don't say that. Jesus says, it is there for everyone to see, like a lamp on the stand. Listen carefully. Work hard and God will grow your understanding. If you have some, he'll give you more. Because if you don't, if you make excuses, if you just stay in your ignorance, if you keep putting off the decision, you will lose what you think you have. That's what he says there in verse 18. Now that's judgment language. If you think you're in and you're happy to stay where you are, be careful or you might lose that. It's a warning to people who have heard but not done anything about it. Jesus says, judgment is coming. Maybe that's a lesson for you, a message for you to hear. Have you heard but not done anything about it? Well, back to the secret itself that Jesus is revealing. Back up, jump back to verse 11. The disciples want to know what the story means. And because the message is designed to be understood, Jesus shows them. Just like a lamp, he turns on the spotlight. Verse 11, he's the farmer, he is sowing the word of God. Remember, we've seen that Jesus came to preach. The different reactions he gets from people are like the different soils. So verse 12, some people are stubborn and hard. They hear the message, it goes in one ear and out the other. growing hard to the gospel. My guess is, you know people like that. People who have heard about Jesus again and again for years, but it doesn't sink in. My grandmother was a lovely lady, but from what we, should, from what we could tell, she resisted my father telling her about Jesus until the day she died. She was convinced that God would be impressed by her niceness, by her morality. And it didn't matter how many times my dad spoke to her about how everyone needs Jesus, that we all have sin that needs forgiving, she just, it just seemed to not get through. But it's not just human hard, hardness of heart. There's something spiritual happening as well. Do you see there in verse 12? Uh, This is the path. The devil comes and takes the word away so they won't believe and be saved. See, it's not just people who sinfully ignore God. Satan will use anything in this world to stop people hearing about Jesus, he will distract them with good things like work and family and hobbies. He will give them success so that they think they don't need God. Or he will send difficulties so that they're angry with God. Or he will confuse them with other religions. Or even a version of Christianity that hides Jesus behind morality or saints or Mary or emotion so that the message never takes root now that's the path but there are other people, the second type of soil they love the message, that's interesting isn't it, verse 13 they receive the message with joy, they're the rocky soil they seem to be growing well but they're doing it on their own Think about it, I don't know if you're a gardener or not, but think about a seed. There's a certain amount of food in a seed. A seed can put out roots and and shoots from the food that's inside the seed. But after a while, the the roots have to reach water and minerals. Uh, The the, the shoots have to reach the sun. And if they don't, the seedling will die. And when the roots are trying to grow into rock, it's hard for them to grow deep. Now, these are people who are fine while life is easy. But as soon as any small bump comes along in life, they they just give up. Maybe a difficulty like sickness or unemployment. Or maybe it's just that they are following Jesus because their friends are doing it. But once their friends move away and they have to do it on their own, well, they just give up. They wither and die. You see, the word was not really growing in them. They were doing it on their own. Rather than allowing God to put his roots into the soil of their lives. Now, what is that? What is growing deep roots? Well, it's not a technique. It's not a strategy. It's not a lifestyle. It's not about having strong self-control. It's not about having a positive outlook in life. It's about growing to know Jesus. Growing to know Jesus. Trusting him. It's being regular in prayer and reading the Bible and meeting with other Christians. Those are not the ends. Those are the means to the end. The end is to know Jesus. Letting him be Lord of your decisions, your actions. Letting him be Lord of your words and thoughts. Letting him be Lord with your friends and your job and your marriage. If you try to live a fruitful, godly life in those areas from your own strength, you're like a plant trying to grow without roots. You will wither and fall away. These are people who won't let God's roots grow into their soil. Don't let that be you. Well, the next type of soil, verse 14, uh, the seed starts to grow well, but before long, the stress of modern life chokes their faith, the the growth. Uh, The pressure of that work deadline. The pressure of meeting the mortgage payment each month. The pressure of trying to be liked by everyone. The pressure of keeping up appearances, conforming to the materialistic expectations of your family and friends. The pressures of time fitting everything into your day. And so time for Jesus is squeezed out. A pressure like that can kill a plant, can choke the life out of it. But notice what happens to this plant. It doesn't die. It's just unhealthy. All the pressures make it unfruitful. It doesn't mature. It survives, the plant is alive, but it's a second-best type of existence. It's a, a weedy plant. Is that what your Christian life is like? What things are choking your Christian life? What things have you put before Jesus? They may not be bad things. Work, family, sport... That's what it was like for my friend Ben. He was an elite level sailor, represented Australia. But someone challenged him about whether there was anything that was standing between him and Jesus. And as he thought about it, he realised that sailing was. And so he gave it up, just like that. Perhaps for you, maybe it's a relationship that's standing between you and Jesus. Or a new job. Or the expectations of others. Or study. Or maybe it's just a whole series of priorities in your life that have squeezed Jesus out. Don't be a Christian who's choked into being unfruitful. Put your ears on, says Jesus. So what's the secret to keeping your Christian garden weeded? How do you keep the thorns away from your life so that you can be fruitful? Where do I buy spiritual weed killer? Well, I think that's actually the wrong question. Maybe it's not the weeds that are the problem, but how you allow them to affect you. Because the weeds will always be there, won't they, in life. Life will always have pressures to deal with. The same weeds some Christians can cope with and others can't. The same sorts of pressures that choke some people don't affect others. So, I guess the question is how can you deal with the weeds? How can you deal with life and still be fruitful as a Christian? Well, I think we need to turn to the fourth type of soil. They don't have problems with weeds choking them or shallow soil that stops deep roots. They produce fruit. They are living life richly, mature as Christians. What do they do? Well, they let Jesus grow roots deep into their lives. They are in a close, deep relationship with him lived full of gratitude and obedience and faith and love. A Christian who is fruitful begins the day with him. They give their day that's coming to Jesus. They end the day with him, giving him thanks for what has happened in that day. These are the people who are following Jesus in this chapter, the disciples and the women. Well, what's the secret? What does Jesus say? Look at what he says in verse 15. They hear the word and retain it. They value it, they hold on to it. There's the first step. Soak yourself in Jesus by soaking yourself in God's word. Reading it, listening to it, concentrating as other people explain it. Take notes. I know someone who... When we post the sermon online and the text of it, they'll they'll walk along and they'll 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 read the text and they'll listen to the sermon again. That's the way to be soaking yourself. That's the way to retain God's word. We always, you know, we often say you need to read your Bible, have your quiet time. Do you actually look forward to spending time in God's Word? Or is it boring? Something you do as a last priority? Uh, Do you much prefer to pick up your phone before your Bible? And if you do read your Bible, do do you rush? Do you watch the clock? Do you say, "All right, God, I'll give you uh, five and a half minutes, and then uh, I have to have breakfast, I have to catch the train. Or, Or are you leisurely? Are you relaxed about spending time with Jesus? When friends, hang out, they don't watch the clock. They enjoy wasting time. Is it like that with you and Jesus? It needs to be a priority. Imagine it's home group night, you're exhausted, work was long, you would rather stay home and fall asleep in front of the TV. But I encourage you, go to your home group Bible study because you want to be soft soil for Jesus to grow his roots into You've got an hour driving in the car. What do you do with the time? Do you listen to Spotify or the radio? Or maybe listen to a sermon or a Christian podcast? As you do these things, through these ordinary means that God's given us, walk with Jesus. Recognise that he is there. Maybe even imagine him walking beside you. Because he is there by his Spirit. Give thanks for the sunrise and for your car. Talk to him as you're hanging the washing out. uh, Washing up, out. The washing. Washing as you're hanging the washing out. Don't hang up, hang out the washing up. That's probably not much. Uh, Thank him for his grace and goodness. Uh, Follow him as you speak and make choices throughout your day. I think those are the countless small decisions we can make to be soft soil for Jesus to grow roots into. But not just retain it. Good news hears, retains, but then, verse 15, it perseveres. It doesn't give up. That's the way to produce a crop. Anyone can persevere, can keep going when life is easy. Even the weedy soil... They grow well as long as there are no weeds. The rocky soil grows well as long as there's no persecution. But good soil keeps going, even when there are persecutions and distractions. Because they've retained, they've held to the word, their focus is on doing what God wants. That's how we persevere. So is that you? Well, what comes next after persevering? Verse 15, by persevering you produce a crop. What's the fruit? What's the crop? Well, I think it's righteousness in your life. Your character becomes more like Jesus. But it's also people who you share the gospel with, people you introduce to Jesus, other people you encourage because you've persevered. Verse 21, Jesus puts it like this His family are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Do you want to be part of the family of Jesus? Well, that's the way to do it. Hear and do. Don't hear and think about it. Don't hear and research it. Don't hear and form a committee to debate it. Hear and do. You see people all over Ashfield, Croydon, Petersham, Marrickville, people in your street, in your family, in your workplace. Their soil just waiting for the seed. Will you be fruitful? Will you produce a crop and share the seed of Jesus with them? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story. Within this group of people here, there are probably all of these types of soils. And I guess each of us are different types of soils at different times in our lives. We pray that you would be at work in us, helping us to be good soil, to hear to value, to retain your word, uh, to put it into practice so that we might produce fruit. Amen.